Welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Now, you guys, it is love month, and I am just super curious to learn, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I hope and pray you're showing yourself so much love this month, and I also hope that you're taking it a step further and showing love to other people around you, even as a single person. Now, before we get into this incredible conversation today, I want to ask you, are you worn out by the online dating culture? Do you want to shift your mindset around online dating? Do you want to know how to strategically set up your profile? Do you want to learn who to swipe right to? Do you want to learn how to initiate from a DM to an actual date? And so many other things, all the online things. Well, I want to personally invite you to join me and my incredible friend, Kat Harris, a relationship advocate and the founder of The Refined Woman on February 25th at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific for a live two-hour online dating workshop. You can sign up for this workshop by going to bit.ly forward slash Christian Online Dating 101. By the way, if you can't make it live, you're going to get a replay of the entire workshop sent to you right after it's over. Also, if you want to be kept in the loop about other workshops that Kat and I are going to do in the future, go ahead and visit bit.ly forward slash Kate Kat workshops. Now, friends, are you excited? Because we have an incredible guest today on the podcast. The amazing Matt Hammett is in the house. And today we are talking about how to face unmet expectations as well as how to fight for your relationships. Matt just launched an incredible book called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. And I want to introduce you just a bit more to him before we get into this conversation. Matt Hammett is a singer, songwriter, and speaker. He was the lead singer for the band Sanctus Real from 1996 to 2016. Hammett is the recipient of three Dove Awards and has been nominated for two Grammy Awards. After leaving the band, Hammett joined the Family Life Speaker Team as a keynote speaker and performer at marriage and men's conferences across the U.S. Hammett and his family have been featured on national television, including ABC News and The 700 Club. He's also had articles published on websites, including Fox News, Focus on the Family, and Family Life Today. Hammett lives in Tennessee with his wife, Sarah, and their children. Y'all, this conversation today with Matt was so beautiful, and I just love Matt's rawness, his vulnerability, and just really walking through how to face unmet expectations, which happens so often in relationships, and in tandem, how to fight for your relationships. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt Hammett. Matt Hammett, welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. So happy to have you today. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. <laughs> now, Matt, I am so excited to just talk about your brand new book, Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. And I read the entire book, and I got to say, it was just so honest and raw and powerful. And I know this is your first book, so can you just tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book and what that journey was like in even writing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was way more difficult than I'd even imagined. So I'd had had, you know, multiple kind of incarnations of this book <laughs> yeah. over the course of 10 years. 
um, and pieces of it and had several agents who were encouraging me along the way to continue to write it. So when I signed on with um, Waterbrook Multnomah, they said, hey, we think you should bring on, you know, they said a ghostwriter. And I was like, well, I want to write my own book. I don't yeah. want someone to write my book for me. Yeah. And they said, well, just bring somebody on to like walk with you through it. You utilize them as much as you want, you know. And so what I ended up doing is bringing a guy named Jamie Blaine kind yeah. of beside me. And I was like, hey, look, I want to write this book, but, you know, help me fill in the blanks. So yeah. on top of me writing, he would come along and also do audio interviews with me and my wife to help us kind of fill in some of the gaps, even biographically, mm. that we were forgetting that maybe somebody, if I were to tell my story on my own, somebody objectively would see a gap that I just wouldn't realize. Right, right, and right. So, he would kind of help me per se take the pieces and and help me build this house. Yeah. And so it was really incredible to have him there along the way and um, yeah. having him just filling gaps where it needed. But man, by the time it was done, I probably literally rewrote that book, like every piece of it to make sure, you know, even the parts that he had filled in, I was like, man, I want this to be in my voice the way I would write it. Right. Every piece. And so that's what took me the longest was just making sure that like everything was communicated exactly the way and in the voice that I wanted it to be communicated, completely authentic, completely real, completely conversational. I really hope that <laughs> that, that came through. <laughs> it totally did come through. And I'm in the process of actually writing my first book right now. So as you're talking, I'm like, I can relate to so much of what you're saying. I'm like in the process of actually writing it. I haven't even delivered the manuscript yet. So it is like a daily challenge of like rewriting something. I work very closely with my editor and having her come back and be like, you know what? This part didn't really connect with me. Can you rewrite this entire section? I'm like, what? Like it's, yeah. so, you I know, think I think Gosh. one of the the most encouraging things, you know, Anne Lamott yes. always talks about the well, we'll say crappy on the show, crappy yes. first draft, exactly. You know, and that, yep. yeah, and that really helped me long ago when I read that because it made me realize, like, look, even the greatest writers, mm -hmm. their first drafts are not close. I know. And yes. <laughs> yeah. You just don't realize how much it's going to change if you submit yourself to the process. Yes. Which funny enough, it's like we're on this relationship show and, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself as I'm saying this, like, oh my gosh, this is like such a metaphor for relationships, <laughs> yeah. like submitting yourself to the process. Yes. And change, you know? Oh my gosh. That's actually really funny because earlier this year I went to a place in Nashville called Onsite and um, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know of Onsite and their whole slogan kind of phrase is trust the process. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wow, I literally cool. drank out of my coffee cup this morning, which has the phrase trust the process. So I'm like every oh, day so reminded to, yes, yeah, submit to the process, trust the process. And yeah, I'm actually just finishing Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird. So that mm. totally resonates with me, just like the perfection and getting rid of perfection. And you're right. That's such a good metaphor for relationships, which we're going to talk about today. It's so good. Yeah. You start out you think it's going to be one way <laughs> yeah. and you realize like oh wow this isn't exactly how I thought it would be I gotta work <laughs> yeah. hard Every day. Exactly. <laughs> and like, I can't give up if it's not what I thought it was, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Like so much when my editor is like, oh, let's change this part. It really didn't connect. I'm like, 
I like I have this temptation for a moment to be like, I'm done. I'm over this. Like, I can't oh, yeah. do it. But you no, like I can't you can't do that. You're on the journey. It's part of it. And releasing your expectations, I feel like for me is really important. <laughs> Knowing that I'm not yes. I don't always know the very best way to do things. And so whether it's book writing or relationships, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I heard this guy a long time ago, and actually, I know exactly when it was. It was 2009 in the <laughs> fall. My my wife Sarah and I attended this conference that I actually speak for now. And the guy held his hand up in the air, and he says, "You know, these are your expectations." And he takes his other hand, he puts it way down low, and he says, "This is reality, and everything in between is disappointment." Oh, wow! And it it really rocked us. You know, it's like it's okay to have you know, expectations for some like fundamental needs and realistic needs to be met. But we carry with us this baggage of all these unrealistic expectations that, that if we can't shed ourselves of that by facing reality, we just live in disappointment all the time. Yeah. You know, because nobody can measure up. Yeah, nobody can measure up, especially when we have that high of expectations. So, I mean, speaking of that, I just love to transition into, because I have a question and kind of some questions specifically around that for you. A lot of people today are really just content like not getting married. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with, well, I have a very specific picture of who I think I want to marry. And unless that perfectly specific person walks into my life, I'm not doing anything about Mm. it. Like, and I love in chapter 12 of your book, you talk about instead of dreaming about finding the right person, spending time becoming and being the right person. And I think that is, I have like mentioned that to people before, and it's something I really believe in. And so can you explain a little bit to us, like why you wrote that, why that's important to you and how important that is to do now in dating (laughs) and how that also even continues in marriage, becoming the right person, being the right person. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's natural for us to have stars in our eyes when it comes to relationships. And, and, you know, we have this, this exterior view of other people and we worry about how they see us from the exterior. I mean, it's normal, right? Because like everything with us is internal. And so we're looking at what's around us. And when we see other people, um, that's what our eyes are focused on. They don't look back at us, they look at others. Mm. And so, you know, we're always looking out there going, you know, what do I need? What should I do? How can I be more like this? And, by nature, people are selfish. Mm-hmm. And so we do look look to our own needs innately, especially when we're not already connected with somebody else in that way that we're daily having to learn how to love and serve somebody else even above ourselves in our daily life. And so, um, you know, I, I just remember that being one of the biggest adjustments for me after meeting my wife and us getting married just realizing that I had focused so long on who that person was in the world that I was going to find that there were so many places within myself that I couldn't take an exterior look back at. And I couldn't look at the pieces of, of my own life that were lacking. And so the, that's, that's one of the, the great things about relationships and marriage um, and even dating is that you get somebody who you can learn to trust to look back at you across the table and tell you, even though we don't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then this is where we decide like, okay, is this a gift or not? It is a gift, but do we receive it as one? Do we receive this gift of someone we love 
looking back at us and telling us what it is about ourselves that we need to change. And that's part of a process that a lot of people just don't want to deal with because it's not easy to deal with. So can we accept that gift or not? That's really the question. Ooh, that's good. I think in those moments, it's so easy to be like, oh, you're reflecting this mirror at me and I don't want to look at what's, in, I don't want to look at that. Like, I want to put this mirror on you, you know, like, yes. I want to focus on the things you're doing wrong. And we get into this mindset. And therefore, when someone calls something out, like we have, like you said, an opportunity to accept that gift of realizing, oh, you know what? I'm not perfect. And how can I constantly change and grow and become better? Or we can say, you know what? I'm kind of, fine with myself as is so because this person is calling this out I'm just gonna turn the other way I'm either gonna ignore yeah. it if you're in a relationship like in a relationship you could ignore it you know and say something to maybe appease them but not actually not take action or if you are you know early on in dating you might just say you know what no that's a little uncomfortable for me I'm gonna go run the other way I don't yeah, and it never feels good. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's like it never feels. It, it doesn't change. I've been married for for almost nineteen years, yeah. and it still feels horrible when my wife looks at me and says, "Hey, you need to take a look at this thing in your life or about your attitude that needs to change." It still doesn't become easy after all these years. But again, you have to decide. Like, I, I guess I always try to remember. Like, okay. Take a breath and remember, even though it doesn't feel good, this is a gift to me that grows me up and matures me into the person I'm meant to be. <laughs> right. It's so good. And I actually remember in the book, you talk about this moment where you were on tour with Sanctus Real. And after some time, it was in early on, earlier on in your days, but Sarah did confront you. I know that was the first of a few many times in, that you've mentioned the book that she confronted you, but she felt that you were just being really selfish. And you explained in that moment that you kind of your first reaction was a little bit of defensiveness. And, you know, I believe that a lot of times that could be, that is a very easy reaction when we don't want to face something, when we want to just live, especially when there's a lot going on. So yeah, we, a lot of times we're like, no, I'm not like that. You're like this. Or, you know, we reflected back on then. Oh, so totally. what did that kind of journey for you of looking in that mirror, reflect, listening to what she was saying to you and then letting go of some of that defensiveness, what, what kind of did that look like for you? Yeah. And again, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll express, I still don't have that down the defensiveness thing. You know, yeah. I still struggle with this day. just yesterday, my wife and we're one of those everyday kind of little, you know, not like severe conflict, but just one of these little yeah. like back and forth of like, well, you did that. No, you did that. No, you did that. You know, it's like <laughs> yes. that whole thing still is an everyday struggle. Mm. But that day I really did feel just, um, I felt God really kind of like speak to my heart and tell me to shut my mouth and listen. And that's a hard, hard thing to do is to, to be, to be quiet when you want so badly to speak and maybe even have some good points to make. But I felt like the Lord was saying, you know what, this isn't about her. This is about you. This is an opportunity to listen. And, and I just remember receiving the words that she said to me. And when I really took the time to stop and listen and really soak in the words that she was trying to say to me, it was like, it just started piercing my soul. Mm. And I started seeing what it was that, that she'd wanted me to see and what I'm sure God wanted me to see. You know, that day, things obviously didn't change overnight, but I was able to receive those words into my heart. One of the things out of all that that I write about in the book and that I, I always talk about is 
is it allowed me to understand that day what I heard from her was this was that I was a man of really good intentions that I had all these ideas, these dreams, these imaginations, this inner dialogue and inner life um, based in my, in my thoughts and dreams and desires that had defined me to myself. Mm. But what I realized is that that wasn't the man that my wife actually perceived me to be. And that was a harsh, harsh reality mm. for me. Mm -hmm. And so that day I realized that my good intentions were absolutely worthless until they became actions. They didn't mean anything to anybody but me. And that was hard because we put a lot of, we, we stake a lot on the fact that we want to do this, that, or the other thing. Like our wants are a big deal inside of our, our inner dialogue with mm. ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what we <laughs> think about doing. But until it's actualized, nobody sees that in us. It's mm. just all in our head. And that's, that's kind of scary when you realize like, I might not be the person that I think everyone else thinks I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if you really let yourself like d get deep into that, yeah. it's kind of like, it's it, it will revolutionize some piece of you. And it's that interesting moment of realizing, like, I think you mentioned it later in the book, a friend of yours said something that this profoundly impacted me. There's like two sides of pride. Either we th think we are the absolute best and we're like, oh my gosh, I am better than everyone in a way because everyone sees me that way. Or the other side is like this almost pride masked by humbleness where we we're like, actually I suck or my life sucks and woe is me. And that's still actually pride because everything is about you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, you whoa, know, that's, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Tim Keller writes a lot about that. Yes. John Piper writes about it, but it was Mike Donahue who actually conveyed that to me. Mm. Um, you know, he, he was like, Hey, you know, dude, you're, you're always beating yourself up. And, and I did, it was funny cause we, we, me and Mike had, and maybe he doesn't see it this way, but we kind of had this like this relationship where like I like love him so much, but I also like look at him and I go, oh man, yeah. like he has this thing I've always wanted in my life. <laughs> it's this. So like I'm always I've always been this really insecure like kid who has struggled to get on stage and deal with anxiety. And Mike, I remember we took 10th Avenue North out on their very first tour ever. Mm, wow. And immediately, like, I fell in love with him, you know, <laughs> as a friend. Yeah. Um, but there was also this piece of him where I was like, he's an actor and he, you know, he's so like confident. And it was like, oh, it just like was always like, man, I saw that thing in him and I was like, I wish I could have that. And mm. that was kind of the conversation when I was just really honest with him, like, man, like, it, it bugs me. Like, you have this thing and I want it so much. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, well, you know what? You know, he addressed that idea of like sometimes there can be a pride in people, you know, who who are confident. But he's like, you're you have a form of pride that you can't see because you call it humility. <laughs> and and yeah, wow. he's like, like just like I could make things all about me. Mm. Um, in this woe is me mentality again. I mean, you you already said it, but yeah, you you're making it all about you. So both sides of the coin say, hey, 
it's all about me. <laughs> yeah, it's all about me. <laughs> and that's like, a, it takes a shift. And like you said, a series of actions. Like I can start trying to shift my mindset about myself, but I have to actually take the action to do that. I have to take, take the action, like with your wife and with everything with Sarah is like you had to, in that moment when she addressed you and you finally heard her words, say, you know what? I can like say, you know, no, my life is so hard. I'm trying to balance all these things and I'm trying to make money for our family and be on tour. And, and I know we have the kids, but there's so many things going on or you could, and you can give the excuses and be defensive. Right. And you could say, woe is me. Or you could say, you know what? I hear you. And I'm going to figure out a way to actually take action and change this. Yeah. And can we talk about conversation really quick too? Yeah, because here's totally. the thing about conversation and communication mm-hmm. that, I, that I feel like I'm really still learning a lot about. Yeah. I heard somebody say to me, like, hey, when somebody's talking to you, are you receiving what they're saying or right. are you reloading? Mm. and i was thinking like like are you actually listening (laughs) yeah receiving versus reloading wow exactly and i'm thinking in relationships are we or how often in daily life are we not actually listening or maybe listening but not receiving what people are saying to us and this isn't just on like correction or just on Mm. like instruction this is about love too like my wife the other day stopped and she looked at me and she said i love you and in that moment, I, I received it. I can honestly say I received it in a way I had never received it before after all these years. Because mm. I stopped to think for a second. I'm like, she took the time to stop and say that to me for a reason. Because she really meant it and she really felt it. And why can't I stop for a minute and receive that gift from her and let it soak into my heart? And I've realized my whole life I've struggled to receive those words, I love you, or you know, compliments or things that people want to speak into me. I let those words kind of float by because I'm so scared to take them for some mm. reason. And I think I'm scared to take them because like, I'm, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, is, I don't know if it's fear of failure or like not wanting to receive love because it's vulnerable. Mm. But I really took them into my heart and I was like, why is it taking me till I'm 40 years old (laughs) to stop for a moment and receive those words into Mm. myself in a way that I was intended to. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I would just say that whoever's listening out there, like what words and whether it's, it's, it's a word of instruction or a word of love, are you just letting like float out in the exterior around you and drift off into the world and you're missing so much goodness because you're not taking a moment to receive that gift of words that's been given to you and how it could change your life. So good, Matt. I love that. Everyone think about that, reflect on that. That's such a good challenge and so encouraging. Hey friends, I want to take a quick break today in our amazing conversation to share with you about our really wonderful sponsor for this episode. Something you might not know about me is that I've struggled with hormonal and immune deficiencies. I've often had to check different levels of things going on in my body, such as my cortisol or my thyroid or other hormones, or even just vitamins like iron and vitamins D and B. But because I moved around a lot, I've had to change a lot of my doctors and haven't had all my health tests in one place, which can be quite inconvenient, let me tell you. Also, let's be real, going to the doctors for all these special tests can be difficult. You might have to wait forever to get scheduled or the test might be expensive and not covered by your insurance. And because of these reasons, it's why a lot of people might not get the testing that they really need. 
As a single woman, I'm really passionate about getting as healthy as I possibly can, and that is why I am so glad I discovered Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked provides individuals with affordable, discreet, and professional access to health testing. They make healthcare open and patient-led and empower people to use technology in a simple but powerful way, giving you greater control of your health. Also, they're just so convenient. They're going to deliver accredited lab tests directly to your door and provide online results in two to five days. You no longer need to go to the doctor's office for these tests or take time off of work. Another reason to use Let's Get Checked is because you have control of the entire testing process and can manage your test results from a secure online account. This means you no longer have to chase down your doctor for information or charts. Last but not least, you can take confidence in knowing that your health is being tracked, monitored, and improved on an ongoing basis with continuous support from the Let's Get Checked medical team. You guys, Let's Get Checked is for anyone who wants to take a more scientific approach to understanding what's going on inside their body and just overall have more access and control. And guess what? For Heart Updating listeners, you can get 20% off your health test by going to trylgc.com forward slash heart of dating and entering the code heart of dating. That's trylgc.com forward slash heart of dating and entering the code heart of dating. Within the book, you really detail out quite a story of hardship and, and pain. And there's a lot of things that you had to endure throughout your journey and your story. And I remember in uh, chapter 29, I wrote this down that you wrote, Suffering is intertwined in the story of every living thing. And then later in chapter 31, after you were struggling with with Bowen and after his birth, you said, I cannot explain this, but in the darkest time of my life, I'm consumed by glory. These difficult days are some of the closest to God I have ever experienced. And so I, I bring this up because, A, that is just, it's so beautiful. But I just think that as singles and in dating, we have kind of this unrealistic view and expectation of what dating, of what relationships and what one day marriage is going to look like. And so I'd love to just hear about kind of how you chose to consistently fight for your marriage amidst all the challenges and suffering and how there's so much beauty to be found within that. We need to reduce our expectations, but how we should should fight for relationships. I'd love to just hear a bit about that journey for you. Yeah. So, you know, Sarah would tell you, just like like I will, that, you know, our marriage has not been easy. No marriage is easy. You know, we all have struggles. We all have conflict. Actually, a conflict-free life is is a problem. Oh, big I agree. Time. Yep. I grew up in a home where we didn't have we didn't really have conflict because it was kind of seen that like okay, like this you enter conflict and there's really nowhere. I don't know if there's nowhere good for it to go, but it just didn't seem like that was like a, a, an idea in our house. And I don't I say that with the utmost respect for my parents, who are incredible people, have loved me and raised me uh well and and like just beautiful people but there just wasn't maybe an example of conflict that i saw that i didn't think was bad whereas like sarah's family they grew up where it was like hey you got a you got something you want to hash out let's just well, do it and get it out of the way yeah you know yeah. and to me that would like felt like almost like an attack or something you know we get in this marriage and just like boom like she's right there telling me this thing that I wasn't ready to hear. And, you know, she was just used to confronting things. And I had to, there were two things, you know, I had to 
work really hard to make some painful adjustments to how I um, received Sarah and how I received her communication mm. and then how I gave to Sarah and communicated, um, you know, from my end and those adjustments were really hard. So through all this, we really experienced some really dark seasons of conflict. Um, and then you mentioned our son Bowen, you know, who's gone, been through three open heart surgeries. And so when you pour grief on top of communication patterns that can already struggle, then you're talking about a whole another set of issues of mm -hmm. learning how to grieve separately and, and trying to grieve together. And so through all those ups and downs, though, one of the things I've just I've learned is to try to hear what she's saying to me. And I guess we kind of already touched this, but hear what she's saying to me and not necessarily the way that she's saying it or when she's saying it. She's worked on how she says it and when yes. she says it. Yes, I do think that that's a huge thing women have. I talk to ladies about it all the time. I'm like, yep. definitely pay attention to how you say it <laughs> because yeah. that affects and how it's received. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and for me, learning uh, more and more that, that conflict is okay. Conflict can be beautiful. And, and, and all of that, um, those things that I saw as such negatives and so scary to me, if, if I can just like man up and face the fact that this is a, a vital, healthy part of life, mm -hmm. if we continue to move toward it and embrace it and what it's speaking to us uh, and what God's speaking to us through it, even when it hurts, that's the only way that we've survived, you know? And, and so, and also for, for Sarah and I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, touting how great we are it's just a simple decision we made that yeah. when we entered our marriage we chose that this was going to be for a lifetime mm -hmm. and and you know we don't you we don't throw around divorce we don't we don't consider that an option for us now obviously i know that life can be really complicated there are plenty of people who've said that and things have happened out of their control or poor choices that have still led to that end and and I know that I'm not immune to that. That and, and that's another thing. Like I know we're not immune to it, but we've made the decision that hey, it, as long as you know we have breath in our lungs, we're gonna fight for this thing mm -hmm. together. And even when it's hard, we're standing at the base of a mountain and we're looking up, having no idea how we're gonna climb it. We've climbed enough and we've made it over enough that we know how much beauty and reward is on the other side mm. with God's help. And when you make it, when you keep pushing, I mean, it's like, it's like anything else, man, the more mountains you climb, the more endurance you have, the more reward you see, and the easier it is to, to fa at least face the next one, even if it's still hard to climb. Yeah. Now I think it's so amazing to hear you say that. And then also, I can imagine people are thinking, well, within the context of dating, like, you know, when you don't have that covenant yet, when you're not in marriage, sometimes yes. people find it to be like, well, at the first drop of something not being what I expected or the first drop of severe conflict or figuring out that their past or their family of origin was not what I expected it to be, like whatever it is, insert all different things. Um, mm -hmm. I think oftentimes people 
the today we're in a culture where people choose to run because there's the next best thing versus fighting for a relationship even through the sticky moments and I I see it so often I've personally dealt with it so often and so like what do you think that balance is especially in dating because we we have all these expectations and we're like oh but the next thing is going to be better and therefore we are getting married way later in life because we just think something else is going to be amazing. Now, I want to say that quickly with the caveat, of course, we don't want to just settle and marry anybody either. But um, yeah, oh, yeah, dating is very complex. But yeah, what what are your thoughts yeah. about that? Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm 40. I still consider myself young. Um, yeah, you but, are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I'm one generation removed from like the swipe culture. Right, right. I have to be honest and say, I don't know what it's like to be a young man looking for a mate and have endless options where I can swipe, 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 mm-hmm. and not just, you know, dating apps, but like even just having a constant um, feed of information and news. And like it, it feels now that there will always be something else. Yeah coming at us Mm -hmm. something bigger something better something more newsworthy something more exciting something that will give us a bigger thrill and honestly like i have a lot of empathy for people who are are trying to navigate that cultural shift right now in the middle of dating because we do have this illusion that there'll just always be something new coming towards us and so you know, I just, I didn't have that. And, and, and I can imagine, yeah, how, how difficult that would be. But again, it's like what you said, it's like every, every time, you know, it's like all the, that, that pattern, emotional pattern of, of swiping for the next best thing definitely manifests itself in relationships. And even though I'm not in a dating phase of my life, I struggle with this with friendships yeah. and community. Mm. Because when you enter into community with people, who you have the potential to do life with for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. When that conflict comes up, you know, we have a little a village, a community of people, and there have been moments where we've gone, oh no, like, are we going to survive this? You know, conflicts between our kids or our family or relational things, or you feel somebody pulling away or like, you know, somebody like moves churches or it's like, you're just like, okay, are we going to survive? And those are the moments like you do have to decide like if you're going to press in and choose to be committed or if you're, if you're going to run. And I wish I had a good answer for this. You know, (laughs) I really do. Like, I wish I could speak straight to the heart of somebody who's like struggling with that and, and tell them what the answer is, except for, for that. Nobody's perfect and nobody will ever be. And back to that expectations, uh, illustration, the further those expectations are from reality, the harder the fall. Yeah. And I think that would be the first thing to look at yourself and think, you know what? What what do I want someone to expect of me? Mm. And, you know, maybe or maybe not, but I hope that would would help people take a little bit better of a look at like exactly how high that unrealistic expectation threshold is 
and what you're expecting out of other people that you may not even be expecting out of yourself. That's so good, Matt. Like, I think another thing specifically, I see men having this issue and I've talked to lots of guys, single men being like, hey, what is it that you're struggling with and dating? Why aren't you dating? And a big thing that I hear from men, including some close friends in my life, is they they really feel like, you know, I can't date right now, A, because there's so many options and I don't even know, but all, but also because I feel like I have to have it all together, right? And I have to like really get everything buttoned up. I have to be perfectly financially stable. I have to get all, I have to know exactly what I'm doing, who I am, blah, blah, blah. And I, I really don't think this is, women struggle with this, but I see it mainly from the side of a man. And so, you know, did you have it all together when you were dating or first married? And I just would love to kind of debunk that a little bit. There's obviously a balance with, you know, learning who you are and, and healing things and being as stable as you possibly can. But I think that there's a little myth too in we have to have it all together. And that's why I shouldn't date right now because I have to get everything prioritized in my life first. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you say this. I I just was working on um, some material for for young, actually dads who are in crisis pregnancy situation along with their their girlfriend or wife or whoever. And I was just writing about this fact that like, you know, you're, you're not perfect and you'll never be perfect, but you know, being a good partner for somebody or, or, you know, I was writing about a dad, but let me put it into into this uh, category. Like being a good partner never starts with being perfect. Mm. It just starts by making a choice to accept that person into your heart Mm. and knowing that this person, and it will be a gift to you and that you'll be a gift to this person. They don't want perfection. They just want you. And God showed us, shows us this, right? That he doesn't want our, 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 I mean, of course we do our best to live um, in a way that's acceptable in our faith. Um, but that starts by just coming and bringing our heart. He wants our heart. And it's the same in any relationship where it's like, you have a heart to offer somebody. The thing that will actually grow you and mature you into the person you're meant to be is giving your heart unperfected to somebody else who helps you refine it. I mean, I would say to somebody, obviously like you said, you don't just want to get in a marriage relationship just because you want to, or, you know, you think you should, Yeah. but if you do meet somebody, yeah. Who you think is a, is a good partner for life. It's like, man, you're missing out on an opportunity to walk with somebody that really will help build you into the kind of person you say you want to be before you enter that relationship. You might not actually be able to attain parts of that without a partner to help you along the way. And not to say that, you know, if someone lives a life of singleness, that that's not a gift in and of itself. Right. It is. Right. Um, absolutely. But, you know, if that desires in your heart to have a partner, um, to have a spouse, then it's like, man, that that's tough when, yeah, people say they want to get their life together before all that. I mean, when I got married, I was broke as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like that's all we had was like, 
a, a dream yeah. together that yeah. we could build a life that God wanted for us. Yeah. I love that part of your story, which is why I brought that up too, because it's like, I mean, there's benefits to being single later. I'm 30, still single. And there's benefits of that I've been able to work through a lot of my crap. You know, I've been like yeah. able to really look at it, heal from it. I'm more financially stable than when I was right out of college, like all of those things. So that's great. But there's always going to be something else that I need to work on or some next financial level that I want to get to. And there's always going to be something else. So there's never really like this perfect, perfectly curated time, I would say. And I think so often we focus on, well, I'm just going to like have it all together and then I'll focus on dating or I can't do that right now because I just, you know, I'm focusing on X, Y, Z things. And I think we like marriage and dating is often really statistically a huge, huge desire of a lot of people's hearts. And we kind of forego it. You know, we we're kind of like, it'll happen when it'll happen. I think that's one thing I see in the church without getting so derailed, but like people are like, I'm just waiting for God to bring the right one. And in the process, they're not actually pursuing that at all. They're just kind of sitting there and not doing anything about it. And I think that there's something to say of like actually actively pursuing that and admitting like, Hey, I don't know all the things and I don't have it all together and I'm open to growing, you know, because even if you get to, let's say this perfect level where I'm like, I've done all my healing. I am making this much money. I'm so stable right now. You're going to get into a relationship and things are going to happen that you've never experienced before. Yeah, like that's exactly right. I mean, and I know that even happened with you and Sarah, like with kids and then the birth of your son and, you know, everything that happened with that. I mean, you could never have planned for all the unexpected twists and turns that happen with somebody in life and in marriage. Right. I mean, like, yeah. How what did it look like to just kind of submit to the changes and processes and the beauty of even suffering through life's changes and, and curveballs. Yeah. It was the unexpected things that I was afraid of that yeah. turned out to be the biggest blessings. You know, you read it earlier where I was talking about the times that I felt closest to God were the times that I desperately needed him apart from my own plan. And, you know, when we found out that Bowen was sick, he was uh, not even born yet. We knew he had half of a heart and we had to wait several months till Sarah delivered him, knowing he was going to have heart disease, knowing there was nothing we could do about it, knowing he was going to have to have multiple open heart surgeries, whether or not he's, you know, or if, if he survived, we didn't even know whether or not he'd survive. Yeah. And so, you know, there was just like all this uncertainty. And it was in the middle of that, that I, I realized like my dependency on God mm. and, and how much. I, I actually needed him, um, you know, and, and that was the place for me where like I found just such an incredible amount of beauty. I'm actually reaching for, hold on one second. I'm actually reaching for this book because <laughs> this is my, my favorite book of yeah. all time. Like you got to check this out. Um, this is about, about us being weak and things we don't expect in our lives and the burdens that we carry or the, or the things that we want to, fix that we can't fix. This guy, Greg Lucas, who's a police officer in West Virginia, and he wrote this little book called Wrestling with an Angel. This might be one of my all-time favorite passages of any book. He says, I hear religious-minded people say all the time with good intentions, God will never place a burden on you so heavy that you cannot carry it. Really? My experience is that God will place a burden on you so heavy you cannot possibly carry it alone. 
He will break your back and your will. He will buck your legs until you fall flat beneath the crushing weight of your load. All the while, he'll walk beside you, waiting for you to come to the point where you must depend on him. My power is made perfect in your weakness, he says, as we strain under our burden. Whatever the burden, it might indeed get worse, but know this, God is faithful. And while we change and get old, he does not. When we get weaker, he remains strong. And in our weakness and humility, he offers us true, lasting, transforming, and undeserved grace. It is this grace that enables us to do more than survive in this world. Grace enables us to thrive in the presence of this world's suffering while magnifying the one who breaks us with affliction, that he might equip us with comfort, compassion, and strength to give to others. That to me is the beauty of suffering and the beauty of entering into things that hurt and bring us pain. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about this whole idea of trying to run from pain, run from suffering, run from a relationship that might not work out, run from a problem instead of facing it. And, and I just think that that passage just so beautifully yes. describes when we receive a, a difficulty. We receive maybe news we unexpect, didn't expect or receive a person into our lives that isn't perfect. And we're willing to take these things upon our back and, and walk with people through these burdens, but also know that God is walking with us and wanting to use these things in our lives in order to make us rely on him. And if we refuse to face these things or walk in these things, then we miss the blessing of walking with our savior in our weakness and experiencing the beauty of him becoming strong through us. Mm, that's so good. It actually like so ties into a Bible study I was doing this morning and it referenced Romans 5, 3, which says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But I just love that. Like suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance oh, yeah. produces character and character can produce hope. Like we so often we're like, God's not good when suffering's happening or even for singles, right? God's not good because I am single and that feels like a suffering <laughs> when I'm single yeah. and in my thirties. But it's in that journey that, you know, God is producing the perseverance and the character. And ultimately we still can have hope even in those moments of because he is faithful, like you just said, like that's so good. And it, it's awesome because I was just reading that th this morning. So, and already reflecting on that. So we're just in sync right now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you hit, man, you hit on something really interesting just a minute ago. And you're mm -hmm. saying, you know, I, and I don't want to overlook the people who are saying like, I'm not running from relationships. Like I want a relationship, but God yeah. hasn't brought it to me. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you're right. That is its own form of suffering. Mm -hmm. And there is that person who's like, like, you know, they don't want to hear all this about running away because they are feeling the pain of the fact that they've tried to pursue it. Yeah, they tried to find it and they haven't. And, um, and yeah, so I, I just want that person out there to know, like, we see you too. And we know that that's not easy. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. There's like definitely both sides The people who are like, I'm good. I'm going to focus on me. And, you know, I need to figure out myself always. <laughs> or yeah. there's somebody who's like, no, I've been ready for it. I'm waiting for it. Like, God, bring it to me. And like, it's just not happening. I mean, there's definitely both sides happening simultaneously. I don't want to also bucket it to say it's like one gender focuses more on the other. Um, but yeah, totally. it, I, because I hear all the stereotypes about that. But yeah, there's definitely both. 
Well, Matt, I'm just so grateful for your story and I'm grateful for your wisdom, your insight. And I want everyone to read this book because I just think it's such a beautiful picture. You did such a good job of really putting your voice in it and detailing it out. Like I actually love reading stories or books that are more almost like memoirs because it's like just reading the beautiful details of someone's story that it isn't like fiction, but it's like somebody's real life story. And I think you did such a good job at keeping us really intrigued and really sharing the vulnerability and the pain of, you know, everything from going on tour with Sanctus Real and it being just a tough journey to then struggling through your marriage and then struggling having a son who is really sick. And I'm just so thankful for your story that like, I think no matter what season you're in, and I think especially people listening singles, like it is inspiring to hear, you know, not a story of just perfectedness, you know, not a story of like marriage is great and perfect all the time, but like that there are going to be things that happen and we can we can and should consistently fight for relationships. And I think your story here and even you sharing today is such a testament to just how much God has done in your heart and continually directed your eyes to him even throughout all the trials. And so I just want to honor you by saying all that. And thank you. Those words really mean a lot to me. Yeah. Well, and then I just want to, we can go on for so many different things. I want everyone to just read your story and read this book, but I'd love to ask you our final questions. We ask every guest, which is what is just your final nugget of dating advice for the single and dating people of Heart of Dating today? Oh, man. <laughs> boy, oh boy, the, the, the pressure, the pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, I would just go back again to the fact that like it's it's not easy relationships are hard Mm -hmm. they're hard but they're worth all the hardship to like get the beauty out of it 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 can be so cliche but you know the whole wine press it's like yes you know you look at the way that wine is made and you look at the process and you know those those nice cute little grapes got to be crushed <laughs> yes. you know to 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 be able to be turned into something at the end of the day that's that's absolutely beautiful i mean you know it's so beautiful that jesus made his first miracle out of it and 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 i think that god wants to make a miracle out of you mm. and sometimes that's submitting to the hard process of something that feels like it could crush you knowing that in the end god's going to make something absolutely beautiful out of it Mm, and i love in that picture of the wine press like it takes a lot of time too right it's like fermenting and all that i don't know all the wine process but it takes time to go from the crushed grapes to the wine and i think that were that's that's so amazing because that's where it comes back to everything we said with the perseverance and just like knowing we are in a culture of instant gratification but if we can realize that that's so a cultural thing and not God's intention. And it was never biblically his intention when we look at how people had to suffer maybe even for many years, you know, before um, God really revealed his glory. And through the suffering, there is still so much formation and growth. Yeah. And I would ask people too, like today, like, you know, you can listen to a podcast again. We all, we talked earlier about like words just kind of floating by, but do I receive them? And, And I would actually ask, you know, all the people out there to stop for a minute and try to take a look inward and say, you know, what are some unrealistic expectations? Mm. Like just name a few yeah. that you might have that you might need to really wrestle with and deal with. Maybe even just take to God and say, hey, 
help me with some of these unrealistic realistic expectations. So not only, you know, so that, that I can find um, a relationship that, that I can be in and, and be healthy, but so that I can bring the healthiest version of myself to the table when it comes time. So good. Matt, you're just amazing. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing just your heart. It's so beautifully vulnerable. And I'm I'm so encouraged just by this conversation. I know I'm sure the listeners are are going to be too when they hear it. If people want to connect with you, all the things, where where can they best do that? What what do you recommend? Yeah, it's really easy to find me. You know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all just Matt Hammett with two M's and two T's. I got lots of M's and T's in my name. <laughs> yeah, you do. Oh my God. It's Matt with two T's your last name with two T's. Yeah. Three yep. M's and four T's. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And then, you know, if you want to hear like uh, my story, I've got a video of my story on my website at matthammett.com. Yeah. You can just follow along there and hear about everything we're doing. You know, the book obviously um, is available now for people to buy. And then also my wife and I are working on a documentary right now about our son's heart disease and what it's like to be a family that struggles through all that. Wow. So I would love for people to stay connected yes. um, with, with that story too. And and so that's yes, how you can find I can't me. Wait for that. That's going to be awesome. Matt, you're amazing. Thank you just so much for today and just appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you. Well, right back at you. I appreciate you uh, just feeding into people's souls with this show. It's really <laughs> an incredible thing you're doing. So thank you. Okay, I want to take a moment to just thank Matt Hammett today for his wisdom and raw vulnerability. Thank you so much, Matt. That was incredible. And friends, I want to encourage you to go and pick up Matt's new book, Lead Me. It is such a seamless read that is also so inspiring. I truly loved it, truly enjoyed it, and I think you will too. I really think navigating unmet expectations is so real for us today, especially as we get older in this dating scene, because yeah, guys, we should have standards, but oftentimes we have really high expectations and the difference between our expectations and what is really realistic can just lead to so much disappointment. So today, take a moment to reflect. Have you ever had unmet expectations? Why do you think that you had unmet expectations? Do you ever think you've had unrealistic expectations? What caused those unrealistic expectations? And did you ever walk away from a relationship too soon because it was just too difficult for you? Why do you think you did that and how can you shift this moving forward? Love really analyzing and being able to reflect after our episode, so I hope you guys take an opportunity to do that today. All right, love you friends and see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.